We are in the book of Genesis tonight, 14, 13 through 16. I encourage you to find that scripture and stand in God's honor as I read aloud from it and pray before we have our message. Genesis 14, beginning at verse 13. One who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorite, a brother of Eschol and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the women and the other people. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are in the business of recovery. We use the word redemption. You buy us back. You bring us back into the fold. Thank you that you love us so much that no matter how we stray, we have a God who wants us home. The waiting father is the lost prodigal son headed home. His dad saw him in the distance and ran toward him. That's the kind of God you are. And I pray tonight, Lord, as we look at the word picture in the scriptures of being a soldier, And how some of our soldiers, Lord, are not in the battle. And I pray, Father, you give us a heart to want to restore those, Father, who are are not here, who need you, Father. And uh, just speak to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the news for a number of weeks, we heard about Bo Bergdahl the soldier who was quite an object of controversy. Some saying he was a deserter, others seeing him as a prisoner who ended up in the enemy camp. And now he's released and there are mixed reactions over exactly what happened with Bo. But it made me begin to think about God's people. And how we are described as soldiers, but how not everyone is in active duty. And not everyone is clearly fighting the, under the marching orders of our general, our great God. Second Timothy 2, 3, and 4. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one living as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. We are not to heaven yet, and so everyone fights different battles, everyone at different places in their walk with the living God. And some of the soldiers we know, for whatever reason, we've lost their whereabouts. We don't know where they are. And they matter. And we miss them, and they're not the enemy. Sometimes in churches, it's almost like 
where are these people like they're the bad guys? But rather, we need to stop back and say, okay, God, how can we reach out to these people who are not here? Give us a heart to know how to bring them back into the marching orders of the commander. Uh, Several of these, and this is just using the same analogy of our soldiers, some are AWOL, which uh, stands for an acrostic absent without leave. They're away from their military duties without permission and have no intention of returning. And we don't know why. Something has happened in their lives. They are not in the church family. Uh, We've lost contact with them. They're not open to coming back. But for whatever reason, they're not engaged among God's people. They're not actively living for God and staying in contact with us. Secondly, there are some who are deserters who have abandoned their post with no intention of returning. In the book of 1 Timothy, starting at uh, chapter 1, verse 18, we read, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. And then he mentions two of these. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. He encouraged him to cling to his faith in Christ and to keep a clear conscience. And so they're described those who they've deserted the faith. They're no longer following Christ. Our hearts are broken over that. Then there's some MIA missing in action, a casualty of war that are wounded. And we've lost track of them over time. And there are times where we do need to stop and we need to sit back and we need to think of these people. We need to sit down and we need to pray for them. Maybe we've forgotten about them, just to be quite honest. Maybe we need to sit back and think to ourselves, who haven't I seen in a while? Who do I need to call? Who, who do I need to pray for? Who, who do I need to reach out to? Because there are some, and over time, it doesn't take long, a week or a couple of weeks, and before you know it, they're not here. And if we're not careful, we don't know where they are either. And we lose sight of them, and we lose track of them. And they're part of the army of God. They're part of our Christian family. They're part of us. And God calls us to not lose track of them. Some are prisoners of war. They're held captive under the enemy. And if we're not careful, it's unfortunate that so often we as God's people are viewed as looking down on those who are held captive by the enemy. Like, I can't believe that you're in that position. I can't believe that you're addicted to drugs or I can't believe you're an alcoholic. Or I can't believe that your marriage is falling apart. Or I can't believe that you've placed yourself in such a stupid situation. And I'm afraid that sometimes people look at the church and they think that we're sitting there with the pointed finger. Saying, how could you get in this position? How could you end up here? But, guys, nothing should be further from the truth. Because the fact of the matter is, I could be next. And so could you. 
We all have feet of sand and we all can sink and we all can fall off the perch quite quickly. And so those people who are prisoners of war, we need to be, well, we need to, we need to love them. And it could be that the reason they're prisoners of war, um, maybe it's because they were left alone. Some are wounded, some are captured, some are hurting, some are in serious need. And we need to find a way to reconnect. Um, this uh, picture, as we see here, of these soldiers we've lost track of, I, I just give some advice from Genesis 14. As we look at situation with Lot, Abram's nephew, and I actually want to go back to chapter 13 as it gives us insight into Abram and Lot. And uh, Actually, I'll start up at the start of chapter 13. It says, So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife, and everything he had, Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold. And as we read on, we see, So had Lot. God had blessed them both extremely. Verse 5, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks, herds, and tents. The land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great, they were not able to stay together. God had blessed them with so much stuff as an outward blessing of his presence that there wasn't room, there wasn't enough land. And as a result of that, the quarreling began. Look at verse 7. Quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. It wasn't Abram and Lot, it was their herdsmen. And it says the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land. Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, between your herdsmen and mine. We're brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up. He saw that the whole plain of Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zor. Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Lot looked out and he saw a place, man, that captured his attention. It was beautiful. It was, it was luscious. It was, it was fertile. It, it was like a wonderland. A perfect place to be. But as he would discover lately, and, and we won't go too deep in the scriptures there, it was not what it appeared to the eye. So it is with this world that's attractive. And notice he didn't immediately go in to Sodom and Gomorrah. It said he pinched his he pitched his tent near there at first. First he camped near there before he ended up making his home there. And it's so easy for that to happen. Whereas we are to walk close with God, and if we're not careful, if we pitch our tent too close to the allure of this world, instead of walk closely with the Lord, 
before we know it, we've ended up setting up our home in a place that's not close to the Lord. And then we become captured by the enemy. We, we miss God's blessings. We miss his intentions. We miss what he wants us to enjoy. And as a result of that, they're suffering. But not only for those people, for us. Because the people we love, now we miss. Because they're not among us. And, and there's not that blessing that they provide. As, as we're connected to one another and, and work together for God to work in our lives and, and to make a difference among us. And so this was Lot's predicament. And as we read on in chapter 14, we see that there is this battle that takes place between these kings. And as a result, Lot is captured. As a result, he, he's taken into enemy territory. And, and I want to look at Abram's response as a, as a challenge for us as we think about those that we love that, well, we don't know where they are and, and what are we to do. Um, and so let's uh, take a little bit of time and, and, and just look at several truths here. First, in verse 14, there's no better time to start than now. Um, look at what he says here. It's first, it says, verse 13, someone, this guy had escaped, and he came to Abram, and he told him. Um, he spoke to him about what had happened. And in verse 14, it says, When Abram heard that his relative, that's Lot, had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men in his household, and he went in pursuit. He, he didn't wait around. He, there's a time to pray, and there's a time to act. And he was ready to act. He took off instead of just talking about it. He made an initial plan, and he followed that plan to go and to rescue Lot. So often, uh, you know, I remember as a kid growing up, um, the old saying that was so popular that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And it's so easy to have an intention to do something and just not fall through. And there's a picture here where Abram's love for, for his nephew, he said, I'm not going to just wait around. I'm not going to talk about it. I've got to go in pursuit. I've got to go and I've got to rescue him. And I want you to notice here that they were prepared before the rescue. And I think that's valuable because if we're prepared, so then when it happens, it doesn't take time to get ready because we're ready. Look at the... Verse 14 again, as it tells us about these men, it says, He called out the 300 trained men. These men had already been trained. They were ready to go. Um, It was uh, those hours of training that prepared them to go at a moment's notice. And, you know, that's part of our call now. We don't know when God's going to call us to a mission. We don't know when he's going to bring someone to our minds and... and, uh, give us a mission to go and to speak to them and to to encourage them to follow the Lord. But now's training ground. He's preparing us day by day, moment by moment. We're to be people in the Scriptures. We're to be people that walk with the Lord. We're to be people that pray, people that are connected. And that's all preparation for the moment when we stand out, when we face and, and look for those that are missing. Um, you know, in the military, you've got the Navy SEALs, you've got the Army Rangers, you've got the Green Berets. And among God's people, you've got those who are mature in the word, those who are mature in prayer. 
those who are ready to go, those who have a knowledge that's in this book, those who hear the commander's voice that are accustomed to walking with the Spirit of God, those who have the spiritual armor on, that breastplate of righteousness, that belt of truth, the feet fitted with readiness, you know, that are ready to go, uh, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, uh, that are aware of those vital properties, uh, those pieces of armor, so that we can be effective in that quest. And it's a quest that's a spiritual battle. Someone has said the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battlefield. And we need to be reminded every once in a while that the devil's real. You know, Cindy and I were, not too long ago, we are talking, there's a fairly large movement these days to say that the devil's not real. But I figure if Jesus says he's real, he's real. <laughs> so, I mean, I can give you a whole lot of other arguments, but that one's good enough for me because I want to believe Jesus. But anyway, the whole point of that is the Bible says... Listen to this. This is from 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's sneaky. He wants to keep us far away from God. He wants to keep us from here, and he wants to keep us from his word, and he wants to keep us from the mission of a God that forgives of that word getting out. That's his heart. That's what, he, that's what he wants to do. And so we need to be prepared because we're in a battle. These men were prepared. And boy, it made a difference to be able to go out there with 318 men who were prepared. And that's our role to be prepared. Uh, next, a devotion to the mission, a passion for the mission. They pursued them into Dan. They... It took effort, it took energy, it took strength as they chased the enemy down in order for the rescue to appear. They, it, it, this, this, this didn't happen immediately. It, it, it took time. and uh, it, There were casualties in that process um, of that search and of that rescue that occurred. Um, there are those out there that are prisoners of lust, addiction, greed, discouragement, depression, abuse, and the list goes on and on. And our call is to go to them with the love of Christ and say, no matter how far you've fallen, we've got a God who will carry you through. we got a God who will pick you up. A couple of verses here. Romans 15, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. I always love the fact that we have a God of second chances. That's always a comfort to me because I've needed a second chance quite a few times. And he's the God willing to offer it. Listen to Galatians 6, 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Someone's caught in the sin. The goal is restoration. And that word picture um, from that, that um, word of restore is a picture of setting a broken bone so that that bone can correctly heal and be mended. And so the picture here is to go to these people and saying, 
I want you to be right with God so that your life can mend and so that you can be restored to once again feel the presence of God and know His forgiveness and and to serve Him with that power. One last one here uh, that's significant. Verse 15, we're called to work together. Uh, Look at verse 15 here. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. The men came together, and they went in different directions, but they were working together to accomplish the goal. I would like to think that the man who came was the messenger that reported all this to Abram in the first place was part of that group. I I don't know for sure. It doesn't give us details. But these men work together for that common cause to set free those, to set free Lot who had been captured. It's easy um, for us to get discouraged when numbers are down and we see empty places. And I guess the real goal is God, help me realize that an empty spot means there's not a person here. Help me think of a person, Lord. And engage me in praying for that person. And engage me, Lord, in being able to reach out to that person. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 tells us the importance of working together. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Importance of being together. Through that, God provides victory. Look at verse 16. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. Because they were ready, because they went in pursuit, God brought forth victory. Not only was Lot recovered, others were recovered, and so were many of their possessions and their goods. The enemy fled, goods were restored, Lot rescued, other people delivered. And that's what happens when God is at work and he works through us. And our calls the same. Um, Realize a time for action. to, To be aware of the people, to pray for the people, to speak to the people to reconnect with the people and to go and to try to let them know that we still love them. We don't want to condemn them. We want to see them restored to be a part of God's work and to be among us. We want to be those kind of people. We want to see people as hurting. We want to see people as wounded. We want to see people that need a second chance, that need to know that we still love them and we don't want anybody to miss God's best. Because our job is not to point out the sin. Our job is to let them know there's a Savior. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, it's just so easy, Father, to look around me and see other people not in church, to see other people not visibly connected to the body of Christ and Father, to just see them as the bad guy. and uh, Father, I guess we're all the bad guy in a real sense, Lord. 
if not for your grace, if, if not for your forgiveness. Father, help us instead to uh, find a way, Father, to, to love those people and to let them know they're missed. And, Father, just to build the bridge again, Lord. It's just so easy, Father. We get so busy, but where are we going? And so help us, Father, to connect to what matters. And, and that's people, Lord. Help us to think of those, whether they've gone AWOL or missing in action. or Father, whatever the reason, Father, they need to be back. And I just pray that you give us a heart for that, Lord. I pray tonight, Father, that you would just lay upon each of us here somebody. Bring to our minds somebody, Lord, who we miss, somebody that we wish were here that's not. And give us a heart, Father, to call that person, to reach out to that person. Father, to just to let them know we love them, Lord. Because there's almost always more to it than we know. So, Father, show us what we need to know and help us to reach out in love with what we do know. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.